Okay, today is January the 6th. It is the first day back for teachers or some teachers in our district. This is Monica Black with another podcast, and I'm here with a fellow librarian, Natalie Carter-James. We have some things in common. We are both former teachers. Natalie is a former elementary school teacher, and I am a former middle school teacher. We are both librarians in Garland ISD, and we are both former teachers of the year. And here's Mrs. James with a few important facts about the Golan Independent School District. Okay, Garland ISD is the second largest school district in Dallas County. Um, we are the fifth largest school district in the Dallas-Fort Worth metropolitan area and we are the 15th largest school district in the whole state of texas all right so today we're just going to be answering some questions that we get a lot about um windows and mirrors and diverse books and we'll just kind of bounce questions and answers back and forth so um yeah get ready of your budget do you intentionally devote to diverse books and how do you decide which ones to purchase okay so we're on a pretty big campus and we have a, a fair budget i intentionally devote at least 50 percent of my budget every year to getting diverse books um i'm i'm not one who believes in reinventing the wheel there are a lot of lists out there whether it's coretta scott king books, whether it's just popular books, whether it's something from Lee and Lowe, whether it's something from the internet that deals with diverse books. So I start with those lists and then I start thinking about our campus, what our needs are, and I just add and delete from lists that are already out there, as well as talking to other librarians and people about things that are out there. Is it worthwhile to purchase diverse books if students are not checking them out? How would you answer that, Natalie? I definitely believe it's worthwhile to purchase those diverse books, even if your students are not checking in out, them out, because it is your responsibility as the librarian to promote the books in a way that it's, um, what's the word, that it that the students are acclimated to those books and want to check out those books. So I definitely think it's worthwhile because the students are not checking them out right now does not mean that they will never, ever check them out. And so just to have them in your library as part of your collection is definitely worthwhile. True. And I'd like to add, too, that a lot of times we think of the libraries for students. The libraries are for your staff and your teachers as well. And we all know that we're living in times where, we're, you know, our communities are extremely diverse. And we, it's part of our responsibility as teachers and librarians to do what we can to make sure our kids are understanding other people and their cultures as well. So yeah, it's it's part of your responsibility to do that. So even if you feel like your children are not checking them out as much as they should be, I think that just kind of lets you know that there's a little bit more that you should be doing to promote those books. And we'll talk about that a little later. On the subject of promoting books, I'd like to list five ways that you can promote books that you might not have thought of. Number one, make large copies of book covers and take those throughout your building. 
Number two, promote books during your morning announcements. Number three, use Class Dojo, your school's website, or other social media sites. Number four, student book talks. You know those students who end up in your library because it's a safe place and maybe they don't uh, feel that in other places in the building? Train them to do book talks. Of course, get teachers' permission first. And number five, podcasts just like this one will be a cool way to share information about books and about authors. All righty, how do you shelve or categorize your campus's diverse books? Well, in my library, I have some stickers that I do have on the spines of the books that notate African-American books. There's also one for Hispanic books and so forth. So I, I basically label my books like that, but they are still within their genre, everybody books, fiction books, nonfiction, and so forth. So they're not specifically notated somewhere differently than the other books, but they do have a little sticker on them that lets the student know that this is a book written by an African-American or about African-American people and Hispanic and different holidays as well or cultural holidays. And I want to piggyback on that as well, because I do the same thing. I, I'm a fan of traditional shelving. For me, in my campus, it works. And many times when I explain this, librarians will counter with, well, isn't the goal for everyone to be unified, for all the books to be together? I definitely believe that's true. But we have to be realistic. We get our books based on supply and demand. When you work in a library as large as mine, if you put the books on the shelves and you don't identify your books, your diverse books in any kind of way, there's a possibility they could just get lost on the shelves because there are so many books that are not diverse books. So if they get lost on the shelves and the kids can't find them, it might look to you when you're ordering them like the kids do not want them when the truth is that they just did not know that they were there. So I do feel like it's important for you to find some kind of way that those diverse books are easily identifiable such that the kids and the teachers who want them can easily find them. Can you give us a couple of, of examples of diverse books that you read lately that you really enjoyed? A couple that just I can just think of right now are the book Crown by, I believe the author is Derek Barnes. And it's all about an African-American boy and him going to the barbershop and the whole barbershop experience that is just so familiar and so cute. And the message as, you know, how he feels confident about himself with that fresh cut. I really like that. Another diverse book that I really enjoy is titled I Am Enough. The author is Grace Byers, who is best known for her role on the hit TV show Empire. What you may not have known is that Byers' parents are deaf, and as a child, she was bullied for that reason. This book is wonderful. It's all about empowering girls to know that who they are is enough and to be happy within themselves and to appreciate all the differences that we have as compared to others.
Natalie, what about you? Okay, yes. Um, one of my favorite books that's one of my new books is um, Hair Love. And this is about loving your hair as a, as a young African-American little girl. Because uh, you may not know this, but hair is a big issue in the African-American community. And even there are even laws now being passed about natural hair and wearing it to work and to school and so forth. So all this book is, is showing how she can love her hair in its natural state. And I, I really enjoyed that. Oh, and I want to piggyback on that. If you recently saw the Miss Universe pageant and the current Miss Universe who won the contest wearing her natural hair. So that's a, it's a really important topic. It's really important for uh, African-American boys and girls to see that they don't have to chemically treat their hair if they don't want to. I'm all about choice. So I think it should be about you having the choice to do whatever you want to do with your hair. And those are really cute and important books. Do you have a policy regarding people donating diverse books they would like to see added to your collection? Okay, I don't have a policy. And I've had a few people ask me about this. So basically what happens is maybe you have a community member or maybe you have a parent and they're coming to you and they want to give you money. And of course, we all are in need of money and we like that. But what they want to do is they want to control the titles that you add to your library. So what I would do if that happened to me is definitely I would want to take the money, but I would sit down with the person and I would want us to decide together what books are added. But you have to remember that you're the librarian of record. So you know what works best for your campus. You know what works best for the age level and for the demographics that you have. And you should always be in control of those books. So I would try to find a way that that parent or that community member and I could work together and agree on which titles would be added. But if they wanted complete control of it, then that is money that I would have to turn down because I would not let anyone take control over the titles that are added in your collection, because at the end of the day, you're responsible for those titles and, and what the images are or what uh, the language is or what's going on in the books. So I would definitely want to work together with that person, but I would never put myself in a position where a person who is not the library staff has total control over what books are added to the collection, even if that means turning down the money. I would like to address a question that I am asked a lot. This is the question. How do I conduct a lesson on a culture that is not my own without sounding like I'm white explaining the topic? Now, this is a term that I hadn't heard until this school year. And I looked it up. The term is defined as addressing a topic in a condescending, all-knowing manner oblivious to the fact that you might be offending someone. So my answer to you is this, the mere fact that you are asking, that you are a bit nervous, indicates that you are not white explaining a topic. You are merely covering a topic in your library and your classroom that simply has to be discussed. There is just no excuse today in 2020 to not discussing topics that deal with culture and appreciating other things that many cultures can bring to your discussions or to your lessons. 
A good example of this would be how I approach lessons about the Lunar New Year or Diwali. These are not holidays traditionally celebrated in my family, but I do have students who celebrate these holidays. So when I'm doing the lesson, I explain to the students that I've vetted my sources and that I do, of course, want to present the information in a respectful and an accurate manner. But I open the conversation such that it's not one-sided. Students can participate and add to the discussion as well. After all, when you're talking about culture or situations like this, it should not be the students doing all of the learning. The teachers and the librarians should be learning as well. My final thought for today is this. When you encounter a teacher or a librarian who wants to implement a club or a project that focuses on diversity, please encourage them to do so. I say this because I have encountered many situations where people say things like, I want to start a book club for Hispanic girls, or I want to start a club for students from other countries. And instead of another person helping them, they might return and say things like, well, what about the Hispanic boys? Or what about the students from America? It's disheartening because many times when a person has an idea like this, they're looking to fill a need. They're looking at the opportunity to fill a gap that exists on the campus. And instead of getting the help they need, they get discouraged and that need continues to go unmet. So if you're on a campus that has multiple areas of need and someone has an idea, this would be a perfect opportunity for you to work together to make sure that more than one need is met instead of discouraging that person from meeting the need that they see on that campus. Thank you.